Hi guys, it's Anuhea. Hi, it's Nikki. And, and this, this is Junk Jar Podcast. Podcast. Woo! Yes! Um, so today we have an awesome guest. He is a talented artist, a storyteller, a cosplayer even. We have... Oh, and a TikToker, of course. And just overall awesome person, Julian Bass. Welcome, Woo! Julian. OMG, it's me. I'm here. <laughs> I've made it. This is really the pinnacle of success. I've literally, I, I'm so excited to be here, dude. Thank you. Wow. We, finally, we have an enthusiastic guest. I know. Everybody who comes on here is like kicking and screaming and we have to... <laughs> We have to like put them down in the chair and lock them up, and then they're like, "Please, get the please, straps, get the straps." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Please let me out, please." And we're like, "Stop fighting it! <laughs> Stop fighting it! You have to stay on here. You have to record." And they're like, "What? Is that the only way you're gonna let me go?" Anyway, we're glad that you're glad to be here. We didn't have to. We didn't have to do any of that coaxing, dude. It's also our tenth episode. Like you're here on maybe the most important episode ever. <laughs> Oh yeah. Tennyson, Tennyson's episode. Yeah. That's special. This is um what is it? It's not a century. A decade. <laughs> yes. It's been <laughs> It's like our podcast decade episode. Even though it's not been a decade, it's been like like 2 months, 3 months, but So, okay. I was just in London, right? And they had like the platinum jubilee. So this is like what is it? Like your bronze jubilee? Does it go like bronze, silver, Jubilee, gold? like the YouTube channel? <laughs> well, she has like, it's. I think it's like every 10 years that she's like ruled or something. No way. Yeah. So she's like at. She gets a Jubilee for that? What is a Jubilee? Yeah. It's it's just like celebrating. Dude, I the... thought she died. Nah, she had her like. Oh, like a party. Yeah, like her seven, 70th. Oh, you're asking what like Jubilee means. Jubilee. Yes. Oh. He's like, I shouldn't have to explain this. Yeah, I guess that's how they would use it. I always just thought it was the event as a whole. You know, I thought it was just the thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody was losing it, and they all had a, a holiday. So, or a holiday, as they say. Oh, so you were you were there for the Jubilee. Mm -mm. No you were way. there for it. I happened to be around for the Jubilee, but I wasn't, I wasn't there for it. I was there for a... You need to stop being humble because we know the queen invited you to be there and you're like oh. just skirting around it. Like, true. We know you were there because you were the honorary guest. You're just being really nice I, about it. I'm, I, uh, <laughs> he's speechless. He's speechless. <laughs> um, I can neither confirm or deny. So, Julian, could you like describe yourself to us? Like, can you introduce yourself? Because I don't think I did a very good job. We, we need you. You know, I, the most the broad term, I guess, that I would use is an entertainer. Um, I do a lot of random stuff, though. Like, for, when I was a kid, I really thought I was going to be, like, a sportscaster or, like, I was going to do something in radio or something. And, like, that was just a lane of, like, a bunch of different lanes that I explored. And I ended up um, becoming known for visual effects and being a VFX artist. Uh, but that's really coming from my want to be a filmmaker and a creator in that larger space. So right now I like to tell people I'm, I'm a writer because that's, that's the thing that I'm like more actively doing and, you know, selling shows and things like that, um, which I'm having a meeting for uh, in a couple of days. So that might be, Ooh, yeah, exciting. that might be a really solid writer, like 
credit right there. Um, might need to just start going with that one instead of TikToker soon. So, yeah. Well, exciting stuff. By the way, you have an excellent. Like, it's funny you said uh, you thought about going into radio because you have an excellent like radio voice. You know what I think it is? I think it's just that I don't have like an identifiable accent, and I enunciate like a theater kid. Mm. <laughs> I did theater, but I I think there was a few of us who weren't really theater kids. Mm, that's what they all say. That's literally what I would say mm. as well. Yeah, but I've never <laughs> met any of them who have, like, you know, played football and, like, quit to join theater, you know, or, like, done the whole Tro- Troy Bolton conversion, you know, because there's, like, I know, like, theater kids, and they'll, like, sing a song and expect me to know it, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just, I just did the show. I cut the check. Okay, that's it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. When I was in theater, the kids always hated me because I was, like, doing other things. <laughs> I noticed, like, I kind of relate. Yeah. I feel like we're the most obnoxious type because <laughs> we were there. But, like, we did other things. And then all the other theater kids were like, fuck these people. Like, you're not as committed and you're still laughing. Yes, yes. Exa- like, oh, and so my they would God. Get really, exactly. Yes. I cannot even tell you how ex- like exactly that was my experience in like high school because I didn't take intro to theater. I didn't know the chorus teacher. I didn't know anybody. And they all knew each other from like, you know, being in theater since like forever. And um, I ripped out this like first audition and uh, they were like, oh, wow. Like, you know, this this kid's got something, you know, and you're not supposed to like applaud during the auditions apparently but like every time i went up like dude day after day after day it would happen and teachers would get pissed off at the students and like i thought they liked me. oh because you were slaying because i was yeah i was killing it they were like yo guys we're auditioning you guys you should not be like voicing that that's not fair to everyone else um but I can't relate because I'm not a freaking nerd hey, like both of you. I'm not a nerd. I know we're just we're talking. We're literally talking like, oh, we weren't like the other theater kids. We're dude. <laughs> we're the most obnoxious. They were, they were you kids. were the theater <laughs> kids. I know it. After I well, I because I led everything. That's why, and I didn't try, and I didn't care that much. I know. Right now, you're literally, I can't see your hands, so you can't prove this isn't true. You're literally archiving all of your theater posts from oh, high is school. That, is that what you think I'm doing with this <laughs> hand yeah. right here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. You guys don't even want to know what I'm doing with my third hand. <laughs> you don't want to oh, know That was oh a my, gross oh joke, sorry. <laughs> all right, oh my anyways, where were we? Where were we talking I got about? a call just then, so I didn't even hear your coochie joker. I mean, whatever that joke was. So, <laughs> so, Julian, you're a writer. That is fucking awesome. Before we move on to the next thing we want to talk to you about... Um, who's your favorite directors? Can we talk about that really fast? Ooh, because that's a good I question. I love talking to, I love talking to like man filmmakers because if they say Quentin Tarantino, I always run the other way. So you better not say Quentin Tarantino. Ugh. He's okay. rubbing his hands together. <laughs> no, I already have like my my answer is solid lock, and I know who it is and who it will forever and always be. My favorite, the drum roll, here it comes, is uh James Gunn. I love James Gunn. James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, 
the Suicide Squad, Peacemaker. <gasps> okay. Those are the new things. He made the Belko Experiment and that really popular zombie movie that I keep forgetting the name of. I haven't seen that, but I have seen oh, the yeah. Belko Experiment, which is like the most like yeah, I, I <laughs> random movie out of all of those that you just listed, yeah. and which yeah. I thought was great. It was like it was yeah. kooky, it was fun. <laughs> Nikki's a Belko. true hipster. I, I mean, dude, that's, look at this sweater. I swear, like anytime I heard a PA announcer after watching that movie, I was like tripping. I was like, somebody. Door's about to close. We're about to get locked in here. Yeah, like, what's about to go down? (laughs) Guardians of the Galaxy is also really good, though. Like, I'm not a huge Marvel person, but I do really love Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoyed every second of of that. Um, And I wasn't even a huge fan of the Guardians before that. But now I have, like, every single one of their comic books. Legitimately every single one of them. Literally? Yeah. (laughs) Like, literally every single... Not even, like, an exaggeration. Every actual one. Whoa, wait. Okay, so how much was the most expensive one out Um, of all those? So I bought a lot of them in, like, sets and collections. Uh, The most expensive one was the first one. Um, But... Oh, okay. I got that. I was able to get that prior to the movie. Whoa, okay. Uh, So it didn't, like, sky... Because I was, like... I like these guys. I like these characters. I saw them in like a couple of like animated series, you know, um, elsewhere. And so I, I went and got my ticket first before they became a household name again. That's really smart. Moon Knight was so good. It turned me on to Marvel. I loved Moon Knight. She only <laughs> loves Moon Knight because of Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Isaac's dude. Great, She's a fake fan. <laughs> Yeah, Nikki, you need to get out of my face and stop <laughs> stop accusing me of this of this of this insane thing because I do not objectify actors, okay? I like Moon Knight for the plot and the story. Not just because Oscar Isaac should slobber on me. Not only because of that. I feel like you don't even know one word of that show at all. <laughs> like I feel like you don't even know what's so, going on in that show. <laughs> So speaking of Marvel, I was talking to my mom yesterday because uh, for a majority of my life, I won't lie. Um, so when I was a kid, I really loved all of the cartoons. Like when I was little, I had a love for like Fantastic Four, um, Spider-Man. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, Batman. <gasps> I loved all the original Batman movies. That's DC, but whatever. Um, I used to really love it. And then um, the movie started coming out. And I really didn't like them as a kid because I realized now it was because I was so overstimulated. And once again, for new listeners, I'm autistic. So when I was a kid, going to those movies was really hard for me because they would make me feel sick and like scared. Um, Not because it was scary, but because like so much shit was going on. So I became like kind of a Marvel hater. Not necessarily like I hated all the characters or anything. I just really like didn't like the movies. And I was talking to my mom because I've recently gotten back into Marvel. Because for so long, I was such a hipster about it, and I was being really annoying. And I realize now, because there's like there's like four, three types of people, okay? And it's like, it's like the hierarchy of moral... You know that thing in psychology where they're like, the hierarchy of totally. moral development? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. here's the Marvel hierarchy of moral development. First stage is just liking Marvel thinking it's the just 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 not thinking about it at all you know just liking marvel just going and being like pretty colors which is fine but like pretty colors it's awesome great 
second stage of moral development is thinking about it and being angry or or maybe it's not second stage but this is like another route is like the people who don't like refuse to watch it because they're like yeah these are trash movies mm-hmm. and blah 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 and i was there i won't lie like i was like no Bro. i will not watch those things it's just for both it's blah 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 blah, blah. Okay. i know I know, I know, I'm actually not proud of it. <laughs> and when I went to, I was looking on, uh, Julian is like, I'm gonna talk through the screen and murder you. You are getting excommunicated from the Church of Marvel right now, okay? Because Julian is the no, leader. No, I just, okay? I, I just think I love, I just love that, like, you're so aware of. Like, I love, like, hearing this from you, you know? Because I don't ever talk about this, but I think about it all the time. I'm like, I can't believe that there's these sects of, like, you know, different, like, fans and, like, people who, like, interact with Marvel. Keep going. I want to hear more. No, I'm, su- I'm like, actually coming clean right now because, well, and the reason I'm talking about this is because I saw TikTok in line with that kind of um, thinking the other day. And it was, like, this girl just talking about how uh people a lot of people and this would be like the first stage of moral development these people who watch marvel think it's the pinnacle without even thinking about the content and then getting mad at things that are more hipster or artsy or weird like maybe not as mainstream content and calling it like high makamaka which means like pretentious um and so this lady was basically talking about how if you can't think critically about the stuff that you watch um you're stupid and she kind of likened it to she likened it to marvel as a whole and i felt instantly like uncomfortable by that because as i've grown older there is something to be said and this is the third hierarchy of moral development with marvel is you can think about the content you see the flaws in some of the things you can think about it. Yeah. And you can yeah. just fucking enjoy it because you're not going to spoil yeah. a fucking party by being like, yeah. fuck Marvel. It's fucking yeah. enjoyable, okay? It's fucking yeah. enjoyable. Basically, basically, number three is you just watch the movie like any other movie and enjoy the thing like any other thing. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Have Have you ever heard of having fun, anybody? Have you no, heard of that? Totally because I was <laughs> yeah. in the second, the second stage of moral development for a long time. And then I realized, holy shit, why don't I just shut the fuck up, go watch a movie, enjoy myself. And I realized, holy shit, this is kind of fun. Like, I love all the lines that are like, he's right behind yeah. me, isn't he? Like, it's awesome. Yeah. Like, and, and, <laughs> hey, and maybe, and maybe part of it was the fact that I love Oscar Isaac. I love the Moon Knight character. I think it's so good to see on screen with like the whole mental health thing. It's yeah. so like... I, and like autism too, because Steve, um, Stephen, uh, Stephen Grant, Stephen Grant, like, Marvel, yeah. yeah, yeah, Stephen Grant, um, yeah, autism representation, really cool, and it kind of sucked me in, and then I started really liking Loki. Oh, I so, love like, Loki. Now oh, I'm man. like, yeah, it's awesome. The characters are awesome. It reminds me of like how I felt when I would watch Doctor Who as a kid. So that's my little spiel on Marvel. Feel free to react now. I just took over the whole bunch. Well, I just think that, like, the people who devote their time to, like, trashing Marvel and I think are the same people who talk about, like, uh, you know, the Batman. And they'll compare, like, tonally different things to one another. But, like, you got to realize, like, Marvel movies at its length now are just a basic, like, a long TV show. So it's going to be tonally consistent. Everybody's like, oh, they're so, like, the same. It's like, yeah, because that's what they are. 
And like, yeah, they're going to use different, like every TV show like has different directors per episode. There's going to be different things that are like, you know, a different across like the the series. Um, But I don't think that like, (laughs) I think that you're just not getting the point if you're somebody who is like, oh, this is corny or like, this is like soulless and because it's like, it's a story. There's obviously something there yeah, and it wouldn't be successful if it was garbage, like some people treat it, you know? Yeah. So you are like, like people are equally as stupid. If you can't, if you are a person who can ingest really artsy, let's say quote unquote artsy content or very odd abstract content, if you can digest that and analyze it, but then you can't look at something more quote unquote mainstream or like narrative based and you can't look at that and like actually analyze it too or or at least just watch it you're fucking stupid if you just write off mainstream content because it's mainstream or because a lot of people like it you're equally as dumb so i thought that that i saw that tiktok and i was like everybody in the comment section it was hitting marvel haters i think it's really close-minded to like write things off just because they're mainstream like i went through like a whole journey with marvel as well because I was obsessed with like being in fandoms on Tumblr like in 2012 and like I didn't even care what the fandom was for. I was like I want to be in this so I could reblog sick ass freaking gifts of everything. So like I was like down the Marvel rabbit hole. Like I used to be really into like Loki and Thor. Like Loki. I would reblog gifts of them like like no like uh, Loki's dead blah blah blah. <laughs> and then I entered my next phase which was Marvel hater mode where I'm like, I'm better than this. And now I'm in my woke phase. I would say like I've I've reached Marvel wokeness. Marvel Nirvana. (laughs) Marvel Nirvana, if you will. That is so funny. Where like I don't like a lot of the movies, but there's a lot that I do like. Like I love Spider-Man, and I've always loved Spider-Man since I was a kid, um, especially the original ones that Sam Raimi directed, which was such a cool like experience because if you guys don't know, um, Sam Raimi is the director of Evil Dead, and he's the one who made the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans in the early 2000s, and that's why those movies have such like an odd, like sometimes horrific, like feel yeah. to them. I love his camera work, and I it's just it's love so com- it's like it kind of looks a bit comic booky more than the new movies, you know, like the the older ones. Just there's I remember there was this one like clip, and I just remember watching the movie and. Like Spider-Man is like there and he's posed up and he like, you know, shoots a web, but it's just like so staged and like flat, right? That it's just like, wow, that looks like a comic book panel. It's like random generic facade of a wall, you know, but it's great because like. I'm I'm biased too, by the way. Yeah, so. well, no, I, I, and I love that. I miss that. I miss when they went in that direction and the VFX hold up and there's nothing I would say that makes me um prefer like i don't know i just when we when people talk about style um i'm a i'm a i'm a raimi fan speaking of vfx i know that you are really good at special effects yourself like i was watching your tiktoks like right before we came on here and i was like whoa like I can't even begin to understand how you did a lot of these things. So, like, as far as, like, special effects go, would you say you're really inspired by Marvel or, like, 
Probably yes, but like, are there directors that you're really inspired by, like specifically? Well, uh, you'd be surprised. Like, it wasn't movies for me. Um, even though like I wanted to make movies and like you know really, make, you know I have every artist has things that they like back pocket ideas that they want to make on a large scale. So like yeah, that's a goal. But when I started uh, doing visual effects, it was YouTubers. YouTubers are because I, I go to see a movie. I'm like, ah, okay, those are Hollywood guys, and they just spent a million dollars, and the movie crapped itself out, and it's like, uh-huh. boom, perfect. It's like, ah, yeah, I can't make that by myself. But seeing YouTubers like <laughs> uh, Freddie Wong and Corridor Digital and um, just like that, really that group of people, um, they made it seem possible. And then I got to from their content like ping pong to like you know tutorials and online resources and that is so wholesome uh, this was like when i was 10 years old so it's been a long time i see what you mean by like just seeing people that have like a million dollars and being like well i could never do that and then a more like practical um like people who did things with like like less money or little to no money it's like super inspiring like like, hey, I can actually do this. Everything, everywhere, all at once. That's one of those VFX team of five people, I think. Ooh. Like, come oh on Oh, my now. God. Yeah, that's insane. Oh, my God. And the level of, like, practical effects that they did, too. By the way, I'm a big practical, practical plus visual effects, like, when they're combined together, that is the best thing. Like you to know when to use practical effects and when oh, to use Julian visual effects. Oh, Julian is like leaning back. But I feel like Julian you have a lot, a lot to, to say. say. He's Explain. leaning back. Well, Julian has something respond, to say. Though, another thing. Here's what. Because uh, I like VFX, but it bugs me when it, they so like especially in Marvel because I feel like Marvel really excels if they use some practical practical effect, and a lot of the new Marvel movies aren't i think because of something about unions and shit but we don't need to go into that that's deep stuff but anyway i like them when they have practical effects because i love practical effects anyway go on please respond okay also also really quick really quick i like how all of our drinks that we're drinking right now like kind of show our personality like he has like a and w you have like water and i have my red bull like it's kind of cute does this does it show my personality if i brought two just in case i wanted to switch i think it does (laughs) wait are you drinking them at the same time no this one's unopened okay (laughs) uh I, I actually haven't had the urge to go to the Sprite yet. Okay. Um, I feel like I don't hmm. want to become a statistic anymore. <laughs> you know? Okay. I, just, I was thinking about it when I was looking at it. I'm like, damn, Sprite is the black soda. Like, Whoa, wait. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, wait, I thought you, you were just kidding. You didn't uh, graduate from grape soda being the black soda? No, I didn't know now. grape soda. I've never so, heard of because, these have things. You... Is, it because, is it because of that one? Really? Um, is it who was in that commercial? Is it that one commercial? Is it because Drake? Oh, you mean LeBron James in the in the Sprite Cranberry? No, 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 no. It's it goes further back than that. I, it's only it's Sprite because like, oh. Okay, there's actually a, a theory I have about this. I think maybe it came from uh, McDonald's and like the cultural significance of McDonald's Sprite. And just the fact that this is so weird. This is going to get to the point, though, but this is so weird. 
disproportionately like fast food restaurants are in lower income areas, which happen to be more habited by black people, you know, African-Americans. And I think that African-Americans are more in, or McDonald's is more in the associative culture of African-Americans than just, just think about it like that, you know? Right. And then because McDonald's Sprite was a thing, it also just became like a pop culture thing, which is also a lot of, you know, in most parts predicated on like black culture. And so that's how I think that they started marketing Sprite to black people. And now every Sprite ad you will ever see has like only black people in it. And I swear to God, like if you look it up right now, it'll be like everything since I mean, like for the past few years has been just straight up black. You are like onto something because the first thing that I think of when I think of a Sprite commercial is the one with Drake where like his face like pulls apart. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh my about? god, that's a oh, that's oh, a wait. that's a that's a flashback. I forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah, it's one. from yeah. like ten years ago. <laughs> oh my god! But it was because it's a crazy commercial. <laughs> like, yeah, that, it's that kind of insane. Ridiculous. The Sprite conspiracy. Well, even their um, their slogan is Sprite or something like that. Like it's like really they're leaning right into it. I think they're using the same logic as Sneakerella. Oh, Sneakerella. I didn't watch that They're yet. up to something. I was, like, intrigued. They're, I saw that on... They were like, hey, we need to hit a target market here. And Sneakerella? What new... is that? Sneakerella is... I want you to guess what Sneakerella is. From the okay, title. <laughs> I can guess. Um, I'm... I'm thinking that... This is an Amazon original that is trying to cater to a black audience pertaining to like a remake of Cinderella because they already did a Cinderella with Camille, oh, yeah, yeah, Camila yeah, yeah. Cabello. I forgot that even Cam- happened. <laughs> they Ooh. did a really bad yeah, version with her. So I'm thinking maybe they're doing another one. And they're like, hey, let's see if it works this that time was, with this new twist. That was kind of amazing that. Because I wasn't going to – I didn't understand why you went to Amazon first. I was like, wow, that was straight out of left field. But then you made it make sense, and now I think that it should have been by them. No, it was by Disney Plus, though. Um, Yeah, it's Disney trying to target. That's You got it right the rest of the way, though. (laughs) Like, that is exactly what it is. It's just a Cinderella remake, but in the city. Really? It's the urban version, as they say. Oh, my God. Um no way who's cinderella there's a boy he like wants to design shoes and he like loses his sneaker at the at like some sneaker convention and uh (laughs) it like the girl like the daughter of some basketball player finds it why did they have to make it quote unquote (laughs) urban for there to be black people in it i don't know that is I I think we're like done with Cinderella stories though, right? Like, I think we're done. We don't gotta do that. It's like Hillary Duff did that and now it's over. I felt really weird. This is like not really comparable, but um, I felt really weird when Moana came out, for example, um, because it seems like when Disney represents uh, marginalized identities or identities that are non white. Um, they have to be either highly stereotyped or they have to be highly like historical. Mm, so like yeah, I know Moana exactly. had yes. to be 
That's so true. Moana had to be an ancient conglomeration of like five different Polynesian cultures mm-hmm. so they could tick the box because we won't ever get another Polynesian princess again. She needed to be this this very uh all-encompassing kind yes, of Yes, yes. Right. They like fashion Nova yeah. her. Like you know how it's like people are like uh oh racially God, ambiguous yeah. on Fashion Nova. Exactly. It's like that. Yeah. They yeah. Oh my goodness. It's like in Moana, it's like they'll be dancing hula and then all of a sudden they're walking in with like a Samoan. It's like, yeah, they're in the Pacific, <laughs> what is... I guess. I guess. And we're gonna make the whole thing Maybe oh, and we'll make the whole thing a narrative that basically represents colonization, but we don't actually have to talk about that. We're just going to make it these magical, uh, what, what is the name in, in it? Tefiti, I think is the name in the, I, I whatever, whatever. My bad. I was relating to the Sneakerella, um, the Sneakerella problem. Um, to preface what I'm about to say, I love the movie Coco. It's a good movie, but as somebody who's Mexican, why the fuck did they have to include like a border reference at all in Coco? They did. Oh, I never saw it. I never saw it, but they did. Yeah. Like, have you ever noticed like the way that they like go between worlds, like the living and the dead in Coco because they're Mexican is like this weird like oh border God. patrol thing. And they're like, you don't have your papers. Yo, like, wait, what that, the fuck? <laughs> like, have you ever thought about that? Like, why? Like, if it was any other race, would they have done uh, that? No, but it does remind me a lot of the uh, problem in Moana, which is the whole thing is a uh, colonization. Like, you know what I mean? Wow. That is crazy. That's actually crazy. Yo, now I gotta Thanks watch that again. That I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna give them money, but like, I, I gotta see it from my, with my own eyes. Like, that's ridiculous. I haven't. I don't think I've seen the whole movie either. So maybe. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It's a good movie, but it's problematic. And um, if you really want to like look more into this like subject that I'm talking about, there's a really good uh video about it on YouTube. I'm not sure who the creator is, but if you look up like um, Coco border Mm -hmm. border references or like racism, it'll come up. Also. We kind of went off on a tangent that was really We did. That was pretty but deep. We Julian, did. <laughs> we wanted to ask you your opinion, your very uh, uh, intense opinions about VS- VFX versus uh, <gasps> Oh, right. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, I just think it's really weird that that exists at all. I think that... Um, like the fight between, well, I don't think it's weird. I understand why it exists because it is one of the more identifiable like uh, like boxes to check as far as technology and film and, and, and the timeline of that, you know? Not a lot of people notice when a new camera comes out or what new, like, you know, lighting technology is being used, but people will notice the advancements in visual effects. Um, and I think that people who don't know vfx have takes on vfx which is just really strange to me because it's not like a cinematographer or a director even where you can be so close to it that you understand what goes into it it's so far out of like so many people's minds that all you have to base it on is whether i think something is real versus like 
is noticing something bad. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's a point. Yeah. There's we've gotten to a point now where there will be like flawless visual effects in something and nobody will think about it at all. Like no, people will love the practical effect of something, but not realize how it's also supported by VFX. And so yeah, like it's great to be like, yeah, practical plus VFX, like, yeah, that's the optimized version of it. However, we do have the technology to make fully CG things that you would never even re- like. You know, nineteen seventeen. Um, that won an Oscar like last year, right? Yeah, it was. That was like an all in like one take style like movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it uses VFX to like keep all the take or to make it look like one shot because you can't, you know do that physically mm-hmm. <laughs> um of course yeah that would be impossible <laughs> i saw a visual effects breakdown where they matched cuts not or they didn't match a cut but they matched the bodies so like for about two seconds the bodies of two characters that are like moving in one shot are fully cg and then they return to like when they shot the next day and you don't even know like i was like there's no way that i Whoa. couldn't see that but you can't the new Avatar movie, too? Please. That is insane. That's going to blow people's minds. They're going to be like, oh, they couldn't have faked that. That has to be practical this. and pra-. Like, I've seen so many takes on, online of people talking about what is and what isn't, and they just do not know. I'm sure that gets annoying. <laughs> it does. It, it, and it really – because because it fee- – it's, it's, so the, I guess the, the, uh, the climax of all of that – is when it feeds into people calling visual effects lazy. Mm. That's oh, definitely that's crazy. Well, because they that's think about ridiculous. like practical <laughs> effects as like, oh, because practical is tangible and you can hold it, and you know, uh, wow, I I hate that you know Marvel is like overusing VFX because it's so quick and easy, and it's like it's not easy and it's not quick, and it's actually probably the only reason that you get to see this thing right now because they couldn't make it impractical, like practically. Um, and uh, it's just like, it's not something you know, I like, will say don't though, get paid enough <laughs> or have enough time. That's definitely you know? true. Um, something I will say though, like I definitely support like the use of both, like whatever makes it look better and whatever is going to like be best for like the movie. But yeah. I have beef with the way that they do Spider-Man suit. Now you probably heard this. I don't, mm-hmm. I wish it was a real suit. Yeah. Why do they do that? Yeah, I still have. Yeah, I, despite everything I said, I do have my preferences on certain things as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I think like, uh, that's crazy when people call it lazy. What I do think, which I don't know a lot of the history about, we, we don't need to go super into it, but I heard stuff about like uh, workers unionizing and like not paying people enough. I think you just. Yeah, they, um, we actually filmed but, something um, during that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Oh, really? Um, we filmed uh, a show in LA while, or we filmed my show actually behind the screens. Um, but it was a non-union production, so we worked. Uh, but there was like a huge strike. Actually, I think they were just like refusing to work, and um, I think it it probably also had something to do with like conditions of, you know, um, uh, of of like the times that you work. Like it, the 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 work days are really long when you're on set, like and too long for them to just kind of, uh, 
gloss over, especially with the unions intact. So it's like, why aren't we just like fighting for fair, you know, wages and times? And it's like, why do I have to be here for 14 hours and receive, you know, a day rate? Like that's bullshit. Um, so you mentioned your show a little bit ago, and I think that's a great segue because we would love to hear like more about your process because we look at what you make and we see how involved it is, um, and how awesome it is. And so we kind of just wanted to hear, you know, your process, how it is to make your show, all yeah, of that kind um, of stuff. For a long time, well, I guess even now, um, I just do a lot, uh, alone. I think my process has changed a lot though over the years. Um, because I've been doing this for a, like for a while and I've been doing different things with video. And so, you know, by the time I got to TikTok, it was like mid pandemic. So I was doing a lot alone. Um, I edited all of my videos on my computer um, and I actually was working with like a 10 year old computer up until like 2020, uh, which is, cr- yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like most of the most of the videos that I was making um or most of the videos that are like popular were made on an old computer. It wasn't until about um, kind of late 2020 that I got a brand new computer uh, that was able to really, really make things move fast. So, um, but yeah, it, before that, it was just an old Mac. I didn't think that a lot of people wanted to do what I did. I thought I was like the only person who, you know, wanted to do VFX at like my age. Um, which is why there was such like a huge gap between like, you know, when I would do local film fest and stuff, like I would just run the table with all the awards because who could do VFX? <laughs> like no, nobody has that production value when you're like 17 um, or they didn't before. Uh, and I think as time go- has gone on, obviously it's become way more accessible, but I started to realize that more people my age were doing this once I started like kind of blowing up on TikTok. No way. And I like started seeing that support coming from those very same people. Um, And like finally for like the first time ever in like 2021 or so, like I connected with a VFX artist who was my age. I mean, there was Josh in 2019, but that was a different era of TikTok. It was a different era in 2019. I feel like, um, yeah. I think that speaks volumes of like to creators that like you don't have to wait until you get like fancy technology and stuff too. like you should just go for it. Uh, yeah. And I think that's probably just has to do with the content that I make. It's like vanilla content, <laughs> non-controversial. I don't make any statements. I'm just like, hey, I like this thing and it looks cool. And then like, how do you hate on that? Like, what do you say? You know, that is very true. What are you yeah. going to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've really... Like, my hate level is, like, negative 15. I don't think there's any – it's yeah. – I feel lucky, you know? I, actually, maybe let's bring it up to negative 14 because there's some people who hate on me for not posting. And I think that's term, that's that's endearment, kind of. So I'll, I'll take that. Uh, but they're like, hey, you fell off, man. Post edits. You're the king. They'll literally say, like, Post- you're the king, but you fell off. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what what does that mean? Like those two things contradict each other so much. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, CEO of Eddie, we love on. a TikTok Meg. And by the way, I feel like saying your content is like vanilla. Like I feel like there's like a negative connotation when you say something's vanilla. So oh, I wouldn't yeah, say your sorry, vanilla. Me, I'd say it's just like broadly right, enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Let me not say that. I, I, I don't <laughs> want to even because I think 
there was one time somebody was like, hey, uh, so what kind of like, like, what's your hashtag talk? And I was like, VFX talk. And they were like, that's not a talk. Let me see your content. I was like, okay, I'll show you my content. And they were like, oh, so you're straight TikTok. And I was like, oh, that's not what Whoa. I am. That's I don't really think that's... mean. But you're not straight I, TikTok. Part of me was like, it's like the later that I got into my uh, my like timeline, as I started seeing myself do more ads and like more of like the hey guys, you know, influencery kind of stuff, it started feeling like that a little bit more, you know, like it wasn't new, it wasn't fresh, it was like the hey, wait, this is like, wait a minute, we can break this down like the Marvel thing. <laughs> Mm. because okay these are start going to start being churned out as a continuation of a moment right a moment that we mm. capture here uh which is why like yeah this could be great but it's 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 not gonna be the same like i'm never gonna have that 25 mil like hit again because i'm here now you know that propelled me up to here um and like maybe if I do something so random outside of like character, um, then maybe something else would hit. But it would have to be a different avenue, you know. It, it's it's what comes with having nothing left to prove. Do you feel like the commodification of like your interests and like personality sometimes becomes like demotivational in a way in like a creative process because I definitely feel that way sometimes because there's pressure to commodify your personality and interests um as an influencer I I've only ever thought about it with uh, respect to like my dad or my family I think because he's my manager and uh oh I think there was like a time where I was like, oh man, you know, I haven't really like interacted with my dad in a, in a space outside of, you know, work in a while, you know, it had been a minute. Um, and that must be really challenging. Yeah. But like, you know, the other thing too is, um, I'm not going to be like too candid about this, but basically, you know, him being my manager kind of means that like, I'm employing him relatively. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And it's kind of uh, interesting, like, the things that you think about that hang in the balance of that a little bit, you know? Um, like the pressure of yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit, right? Because I'm like, you know, my dad still lives in the yeah. house that I used to live in um, and is, like, you know, paying bills and stuff. Um, but so am I now, and 10% of what I get goes to him. And so... I'm like, okay, if I, what if I stop? What if I do something different? What if I mess up? Or like, you know, what if, you know, what if I can't for a while, you know? Um, and uh, it's not, it's not bad. It, it was just like a, a brief stint. But that's the only time that I kind of felt like, uh, yeah, this is a commodity and this is like, this is how the money's going to flow. But, uh, I never, I don't want to be an influencer anyway. So it doesn't, it, none of this stuff really matters to me as much as the next thing. Uh, because when I first got my agents, they were like, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to legitimize myself in uh, the main, in like, you know, long form content and like movie making and TV. And uh, 
we're doing that. You know, because I feel it's it's hard to bridge that gap, right? You know, definitely like being an influencer, definitely. you can't just like be an actor and still not be. Oh my God, look, it's King Batch in that movie. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly, like, he could be like the greatest <laughs> yeah. actor ever and like have a killer performance, like Oscar worthy, but it'll still be King Batch and it'll still take me out of it. And it's hard to break that. So I don't want to get like so big that I'm like yeah. Mr. Beast and like can't be anything else. Um, so. That is that is such a and like that is such a good thing to bring up because I was literally staring in the mirror yesterday and I was like thinking about the longevity of things because I think it's really interesting because I'm at the very beginning of kind of this journey so listening to you talk about this and your successes is really interesting um, but I've been thinking about it I'm like yeah it's really hard to bridge that gap because if I keep niching it's like we talk about TikTok a lot me and Julian and me and Nikki as well. And we talk about, like, niching down and, like, the risks of niching down. And it's just really interesting to hear you talk about this because, yeah, like, if you get to a point, if you niche down so hard that you're kind of pigeonholed into one area on the internet. Um, And I've actually kind of noticed that I'm not there yet, which is, it's a good thing that I'm diversifying. But recently with my content, I've been, like, uh, I did something sentimental the other day. I posted my parents and um, I used the Stranger Things sound and, like, I posted my parents because it's so funny that people don't know that past the on the left hand side song. Anyway, posted my parents and people were like, uh, mostly people were very sweet, but it was really interesting to see some of the negative comments, which were literally, I didn't follow you to be sentimental. Oh Where's God. the weird shit? Whoa. Where's the absurd content? Get yeah, literally like people were upset. <laughs> Well, and I think we all can relate to this is people don't yeah. see us as people mm-hmm. at a certain point. Um, even if like from the smallest creator to the biggest creator, you're not seen as a person. You're seen as um, your product, mm-hmm. the thing that you put out as content. And um, it was so interesting to see that when I diversified or showed that I am a person, people were very upset. And I think that's why like, and this is kind of, feel free to bring me back a little bit after this, but it's also something that I've been thinking about because people who don't have audience or don't profit off of their content, it makes me really sad to see those same people who are more so consumers of content than creators, which isn't a bad thing. Um, they also market themselves. Like if you have a small audience and it's just mm-hmm. your friends and family or people you kind of know, people are still worried about their Instagram feeds. And being on the other end of being a creator now and looking back at how I used to market myself on a tiny little Instagram account before I had an audience I almost like I I envy the time or I I I if I had known what it was like to have an audience at that time I wouldn't have taken so much time to market myself because there's no reason to um and so like because it's such a hard thing to have an audience and it makes me really sad to see young girls for example who don't have um platforms like be worried about their instagram feeds. Yeah. i'm like honey it's instagram <laughs> yeah or it's like there's no reason to market yourself until there is and maybe that's why i'm a creator now because i was preparing for that and maybe yeah. they also want to be creators so that's fine i just like it gets me into these loops of like what does it mean to be a creator what does it mean to be pigeonholed what does it mean to not be a creator now because we're all in this like cog of self-managing yeah. and marketing it's so weird because some people really do yeah. not need yeah to do that i think for I a long yeah, time yeah yeah it, i mean it, i sorry, I, I don't think i share that experience though i I'll, I'll start by saying that um because i i don't 
I don't know if I, uh, I, but I know what you mean though. Like I, I, I don't think I was particularly concerned about marketing myself on social media. Um, because my dad had set me up with like my production company and we would like cold call to like businesses and like actually try to make money, <laughs> you know? Um, because you know, in high school, I, I mean, I've never worked like a, well, I've worked like one one hour job. Nine to five type. Yeah, the one I did was at a news station as a motion designer. So, does that count? Um, but I uh, I had that whole like business thing going pre social or pre my social media like focus, um, which is why I also I guess I don't feel like I'm really good at it. Like as far as like posting regularly and like, oh, these are my links and this, you know, scan this and hey, yeah, hey, this code. And like some people are like grinding on that. I'm just like, I'll post when I have to. And if my agents give me a call, I'll do the campaign and it'll look cool. But, you know. Well, that's grounding, though. That is like a grounding experience. I think that gives you like more of a backbone to disconnect from it, because I think people who come from like, for example, me who come from that like self-marketing uh not really going that uh more organic route mm -hmm. or more like grounded route that you're talking about julian um you get sucked up in it and then it's like this weird deconstructive deconstructing process of taking yourself mm. and distancing yourself from the platform because you get so enraptured in it so i think that's kind of like a blessing that you yeah. didn't have that same experience i don't know what about you nikki um I was never expecting this to be my job and it didn't become a goal until it already was like happening because I worked at like Albertsons and like Target and then kind of moved up to like uh, just having YouTube as like my main job and then that was like a crazy shift and then coming out of like this channel that of course like if, uh, do i have to say what channel it was but <laughs> like like listeners already know that like coming out of that toxic workspace with the other creator on that channel and then just becoming my own like manager and like figuring out how to promote myself on my own and stuff was like a huge shift and a huge challenge so i think my experience is just different from the both of you mm. and i'm kind of still learning how to uh think of it in wow. a healthy way that's that's kind of cool though that we all come from yeah. like different uh we all have different relationships with uh our transitions to becoming creators you know so yeah yeah well, and i think it's i think it's really good for everybody to hear because and I think this is why podcast featuring creators is really important because there's a lot of people who want to be creators out there, right? And they need to know the realities of that work. There's a lot of people who don't create but also mm -hmm. treat their platforms like they're creators and then they get stressed out over it. And it's like, it's good to hear creators who actually do the thing. And maybe these, pe these people are like, aren't aspiring. This is like a hypothetical situation where... Um, somebody might take their Instagram yep. really seriously, but don't necessarily need to for any reason. It's good to hear creators be like, I feel like disconnect from that. Like, yeah, disconnect from that. And TikTok like, too. No I see people like really worried about their TikTok yeah. views 
And I, yeah. if, if that's not, like, your long-term goal to, like, have a bunch of followers or, like, make, like, some kind of career as, like, an influencer or promote yeah. something. I've had, like, I've had, like, friends ask me stress? about getting shadow banned. I'm like, dude, you have, like, yeah. 25 followers. You're not shadow banned. Nobody, you just, you're just friends with your people. Like, why is it, why are all my videos yeah. getting zero views? It's yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe you had, like, one funny video that has, like, 100,000 views. Um, but that's just how TikTok works. You can't, like... Unless you have like a series or like a thing. Yeah. Why is everybody like? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, why is everybody obsessed with like getting views slash feel the need to be like popular in some way, especially with like TikTok? Like, it's like, yeah. Why worry? I think about because something TikTok like made that, it easy. You know, if you don't have or to. possible for so it's many people so... and for random stuff too, yeah. for like minimal effort shit, like anybody's yeah could be tiktok famous on anything for a reason and then they'll tell you they're like yeah i made the video where i like put mm-hmm. the potato in the bowl and you're like oh that one ah oh, that was you, you know? <laughs> the potato like, in it's the a bowl. Really weird sound and it just worked yeah um so it's so funny to like have this conversation this is a conversation that I'm super interested in because the internet is one of my hyper fixations. I just think it's so interesting. And being that I feel like out of all of us here, I am the newest to an influencer slash creator on the internet space. So I feel like I most recently, it's only been a year guys. So like I have the experience of being a consumer on TikTok, aspiring to be a creator of some sort, but not knowing how getting that boost of serotonin of, holy shit, this is what it's like to have virality and then kind of like delve into creating. So like, it's really such a trippy thing to have viewed TikTok, follows on TikTok, likes on TikTok so differently a year ago. Like seriously, the way I viewed, it's such a, nobody would understand this until they become creators is like the way you view creators before you are one is super trippy. Like I'm like over here like, oh, haha, why would people uh, idolize creators or, like, think of them as non-human? No, but, like, it's, like, the algorithm itself just promotes that behavior because I was there before I was doing it. It's, like, before you're actually doing the thing, you don't know, like, you don't know how much of the process you're, or Mm -hmm. you don't know how, like, involved in the cycle you're in it. Because, like, I would look at people and be like, oh, my God. Or I'd have a... I had a viral video once and I was like, oh my God, that's like such a big deal. And I don't mean to like shit on people's successes, right? Like that's not what I want to do. Or if somebody's listening and they've had a viral video. That's like, great. That's awesome. That's great. Good I hope you. you had fun doing um, it because if you were stressed out the whole entire time and that was your only goal is just to see views, then that seems like just like stressful. well it's because people don't understand that like and I didn't understand this until recently because you have to like go through the process of becoming a creator which no one gives you the manual for they don't is views don't mean shit other than you're promoting yourself you do not get fucking money especially on TikTok you do not get fucking money we most influencers are broke as shit like and this is why it's important to have like a business mindset like Julian is talking about because People don't understand that views really do mean nothing if you are not yeah. going to create a platform. And that's where I'm at now. A year later is being like, oh shit, 
all of this clout for this one little trend I did doesn't mean right. shit if I can't pe well, get people you know, to engage in my narrative and story. You're right. I think you're exactly right. Um, I also think that a lot of people, uh, I, there's a difference between a creator and an influencer, I think. Um, and I've seen like, yeah, there was this, uh, I think so too. there was this influencer, um, or like, I would even say there's like probably a difference between like uh, them and like a social media, like personality or like. I don't know. There's somebody who was like getting a lot of hate for uh, making a certain comment on something. And um, everybody was like kind of clowning this person. Um, but they were like, you know what? I'm going to stop creating. I'm mm -hmm. going to, you know, I make these videos for you guys. Da, 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 you know, like with all this hate, I'm, you know, and I was like creating what? All you do is react to other people's actual creations and all and you're making a take. So like, I like don't get collecting it. It, it made me realize that there's value in actually creating because, like you said, views don't mean shit, especially when it comes to getting paid. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, what is it? Follower count? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a reason why I, like, who hasn't grown my account in, like, forever, can still make the same amount or more money because I have ad experience. And I don't like I can make an ad for anything and anyone. Yeah. And, like a dancing content creator can't make the best ad for like Halo, the movie. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I can do one for ketchup and I can do one for Halo and I can do one for your new computer. And I like product, 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 because I got used to that. That's where the value is in visual effects. I've done a lot of it for not even my channel. A lot of it lives on theirs. Um, so if you don't have like a thing like that, it's go you're going to have to promote, like you were saying, like promote yourself, uh, promote like your, and that's where I think I'm a little bit like I'm a safe distance from entangling my personality with my work because it's more about the flashes than it is about like the best joke I can tell, or like, you know, me presenting in a, in a certain image um, as far as, does lightning come out of my hands or lasers come out of my eyes? <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I thought it was invaluable. Um, and then I found out that, oh, maybe that's why. Yeah. I mean, people, there's people that love this podcast. Hello, people out there. Thank you. By the way, we don't make any money off of this. <laughs> That's what oh, they yeah, say, but like, before this, like, they asked me for money? a donation. Yeah, don't like, let them fool you guys. People like rich. <laughs> <laughs> they ask me for money. <laughs> That's so funny. I had to pay. We pay asked money. for $10,000. I asked um, an investment. for that Pac-Man machine behind you. I asked payment. Pac-Man machine. I want you know, that like, Pac-Man machine. Like, it has like Pac-Man, Galaga, <laughs> Mappy. Like, it has a bunch of games on there. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. It's from Walmart. You can get it at Walmart. No I guess. way. That's so cool. Yeah. They better <laughs> cut me a check now. <laughs> yeah. That's free publicity. <laughs> Something that you mentioned, Julian, or, or, or not that you mentioned, but I think you might have an interesting comment on, um, is you said something about. Mm, you said there was a difference between, you know, an influencer and a creator, right? Uh, and I. So. 
my background, I went to art school, right? And you're an artist. We're all artists here, I would say. Um, I did the, an, 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 I did an essay about the difference between creator, influencer, and artist. And I argued, and this is like a kind of a counter argument to what you were saying, but I actually do really agree with you, especially the people who just like maybe right, you're like it's pointing to the tweet content, above their head, like <laughs> making a face, for example. It's like nothing, nothing. And yeah, and it's not even about like anything, uh, them personally. Uh, but I argued that somebody like let's let's say big names like Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Rae. A lot of artists have disdain for their platform. They don't do anything. All they do is dance, blah, 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 blah. But I argued that, for example, somebody like Charlie D'Amelio or the Instagram model, like we don't call them artists because we have this idea of like high art in our heads. And this kind of goes back to the Marvel thing of what I was talking about earlier. People are very quick to be like, oh, what the Instagram model is doing, what Charlie D'Amelio is doing is not art. And, like, yeah, I, that argument can definitely be made, right? Um, and is valid in some respects. But at the same time, what I talked about in that little writing I did was the performance aspect of the work and being an influencer in itself is literally performance work. Because you are, there is a sense that people are like, well, art can't be marketed. Yes, it can. It's been marketed since the dawn of Western art. So, essentially, the influencer itself is what, what I was arguing was is a performance piece in itself. So I thought that was really interesting because a lot of influencer work is curating personality. So I kind of wanted to just hear your opinion on that uh, because you did make a really yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Like, difference, but also, I mean, is there? Charlie, like Charlie and Addison are getting the bag. So <laughs> clearly they, yeah, I mean, it's not like, I wouldn't give them that advice. And I think that, like you said, the difference between them is that they are performing um you know they have an image which honestly as close as it can be to like who they really are isn't like i mean we don't know them you know what i'm saying um everything we see of them is we see for a reason uh, we see it because they're wearing a certain item of clothing we see it because it's on a certain day or because there's a certain event or something certain now because that's what it has to be. Um, and it's mixed in between similar personal content because that's what they sort of got famous for doing. So there's like, again, that tether between what you started off doing and then the work that it becomes, right? Um, when I'm trying on a new effect, uh, like, yeah, it might look like something that is close to what like my ads would look like. Um, but those are different things that not everybody is able to discern um, that I think an in, a creator themselves can hold close to themselves as well. Uh, all that being said, get the bag. If you don't have anything that, like if you're noticing that like, hey, how do you get, how do I get brand deals? Um, and these people who, these are the air quotes, are doing nothing can do it. Well, they built that. You know, um, something has something has to be there. There has to be something. Um, even people like even when it goes well, commentary, people straw hat goofy is a great example of somebody who built something like that. 
Like now he's not just somebody who talks about comic books. He's somebody whose opinion you respect and who and you see him at all these Marvel movie premieres now and he's interviewing people. He's somebody who has done the work and his performance is and I'm using the air quotes again for I guess people who can't see us, right? Um his performance is essentially having that deep knowledge and <laughs> credibility, which is why critics exist, you know? Um, we only listen to critics because apparently they've watched more movies or like have, you know, mm-hmm. apparently they've, yeah, they've gone to some school to learn like, oh yeah, this is no, Apparently they know be. better That's than us. A should be, <laughs> but, you know, we could talk about that at another time. Yeah. Um, That's super subjective. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but people like him who are able to talk about like comic books and like the origins of something, you know, so I don't have to. You know, that that that's entertaining to me. Uh, notice this new Easter egg and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that could be anyone. But the reason it's not, you know, John Doe, because, oh, I, I happen to have the same knowledge and why does he get it and I don't, is because he does it over and over and over and over and consistently and broadly and across as many different topics and for many different companies now. And he's making many, many dollars and having a lovely time. I'm so happy to see him succeed. <laughs> that's that's my uh that's my spiel on straw hat goofy so it's about that time um where can we find you julian where can the audience find you it's about that time in a minute um you can find me i'm the, i'm the julian bass or the julian bass <laughs> yeah the these the sounds sounds pretty sick i i like the yeah. I, is there a difference <laughs> between the and the I don't know, but the sounds like British to me. Like a British person yeah. would go, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, sorry. My dog is like, <laughs> my dog is like destroying this. This is a Frisbee. I know it looks like a tortilla. Yeah, this was a Frisbee. Anyways, you can find me. I'm, I'm the Julian Bass. That <laughs> um, was a Frisbee? Everywhere. And um, <laughs> if you want to watch my YouTube videos, which nobody's ever seen before, um... Uh, that is macro base m a c r o b a s. Whoa! Wait, what kind of YouTube content do you make? I wasn't aware that you had a channel. Um, that's like my that's my old stuff. That's uh that's if you want to see the origins of me, that's it. Uh, like I think it goes back to like twenty. Whoa! Maybe. Yeah, everybody was like, yeah, everybody was like, oh hey, you know like what are you just a miles morales fan just because like the movie came out i'm like dude look at this old ass youtube video of me wearing a miles morales t-shirt when nobody fucking was okay don't even come to me about my credibility <laughs> i was the 12 year old child and i knew who that guy was um, they didn't know the so, lore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i've been in it i've been in it there they don't know the lore um we also ask our uh guests to do something for us and that is to tell our audience members to clean their room in a very oh my god clean yes i i I do i do listen to the show um (laughs) yeah and you're have your own special twist to it. awesome you have to tell people in your own special way so should i do it in a voice no pressure there's no wrong way to do it okay all right (laughs) whatever you want (laughs) okay (laughs) Let me just think. Let me just think. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it as bat. I'll do it as Batman. 
<laughs> nice. Okay, okay I'll do it as yes. Batman. This is uh this is my Kevin Conroy Batman. All right, here we go. Yeah, do it as Batman. <laughs> we were just talking about this together. Batman reporting in. This is your Justice League member. Have you all cleaned your rooms? Because I'm sure you haven't. Clark, I saw you leave the Watchtower earlier this morning. I know you didn't clean your room. And I know everything. I'm the world's greatest detective, and if I don't find you with your room clean, you will know the darkness. And you will meet justice. Whoa. That was so good. <laughs> yeah, yay. Wow, that was amazing. <laughs> Was that your impression of us? <laughs> no, that was my impression of that one character from Horton Hears a Who. Um, who was like, Horton is the best, yeah. <laughs> I thought yep, that was supposed to be totally us what going, I was going for. yeah, you're the best. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, you heard him. I'm so glad I was here. Today has been great. I was like literally butterflies in my tummy all day. No way, dude. Dude, I'm stoked. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Aww. Aww. That's really cute. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all the listeners. Uh, we love you. Swag, we praise swag, you. Swag. Clean your room. You. <laughs> Clean your room. <laughs> bye. Bye. In your fucking room. Nice. Okay, okay. Love Dude, you. Bye. It is so hot in this room, man. Oh, wait. Let me...